Showtime. The black and gold live here 24-7. This is SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? High noon on a Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next two hours on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, rocking on a Thursday. We're excited today because we got a sense of normalcy. Our buddy Brian Backo is back. He will join us. We've got uh, another day of our who is really the best college at producing this position, and we've got a debate about Steelers draft picks that was much more difficult than we thought it would be. Without a doubt, man. <laughs> I mean, we, we did that list yesterday, and we were saying, you know, okay, this is a fun thing to this do. Let's, let's do it again. It's cake. I feel like typically we have issues sometimes where it's not enough hmm. of something, not enough talent to pull from. But today, it was the exact opposite. It was too much talent to pull mm-hmm. from. I mean, you, you, you're leaving guys off the list that are like, hey, man, this dude's a Hall of Famer, or, or this guy, you know, I mean, he, he has this record, or that guy's a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, so, so it, was, it was a lot of fun, man, but way, way more difficult than we thought, man. And we will get to that here uh, in the first hour. But, Arthur Motes, we continue another thing that we've been doing all week here, too, kind of taking position groups in the NFL, right, and saying – which college is the best at producing these guys, right? And, and we and, and just besides before, JMU and WVU, I was going to say we, we left off JMU and WU just so we wouldn't be biased in our selection process. I mean, obviously, we got to be good. You know, we got to be good, unbiased. We got to be objective journalists, media members here. On the, I'm trying to laugh, not to laugh <laughs> as I say that. Uh, so Arthur Motes, today's defensive back day on the program. Who is D B? You and we've got some big candidates, of course. The classic one that you always hear is LSU. They've been calling themselves DBU for a while. They're up on this list. Texas has been trying to say they're DBU. Ohio as well, State's too. been saying they're DBU. Everybody, everybody has State, a DBU right now. Florida, everybody, Arthur Motes. So let's get right into it. I think it's LSU. I mean, without a doubt here. I mean, let's look at this list. Patrick Peterson, Jamal Jamal Adams, Tredavis White, Tyron Matthew. You kidding me? Uh, LaRod Landry, Eric Reed, Maurice Claiborne, Corey Webster. What are we talking about here? We just going to leave off Greedy Williams, first-round pick a year ago. Come on, man. Yeah. What are we talking about here? Uh, I mean, the list is just insane. Mark Roman, uh, Travis Travis Daniels, Ryan Clark, formerly of this parish. RC, Super Bowl champ. Uh, It's nuts. I mean, you look at Ohio State's list, too, and they're stacked as well. Uh, You got Dante Hittner. My dog. You got Marshawn Lattimore. Talk about it. Nate Clemens, Uh, Chris Gamble. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins, Malik Hooker, Western Pennsylvania. Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward, you know, I'm a big fan of his. Gary Okuda. Gary Conley was a first-round draft pick. Yeah, Jeff Okuda, third overall. Time out, time out. Shout-out to my Buffalo boy, Ashton Yabodi, man. And also, God, also formerly of this parish, Will Allen, baby. Oh, don't forget Duran Grant, also of this parish as well, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
man, LSU and Ohio State got to be towards the top of the list. Speaking of this parish, how about Joe Hayden Mm. and his Florida Gators, Reggie Nelson, Vernon Hargraves, man, Matt Elam, Keanu Neal, Quentin Dunbar, Lito Shepard, CJ Henderson, first round pick from last year, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, man, golly. Texas, they've got some studs for sure. Earl Thomas, Michael Griffin, Michael Huff, Kenny Vaccaro, Quentin Jammer. My Remember Quentin Jammer? My dog, Aaron Williams. Let's go. Cedric Griffin, Aaron Ross. I mean, there's some studs yeah. out of Texas. How about Alabama? Roll Tide. Landon Ooh. Collins. Ha, 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 ha. Clinton Dix. Our very own Minka Fitzpatrick. Listen, when they go to the third row, Minka Fitzpatrick, Marlon Humphrey, Dre Kirkpatrick, like, Jeez. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good third row. You got Roman Harper up there, too. Some real studs. How about Florida State? Your mistress school, Jalen mm-hmm. Ramsey, Xavier Rhodes, Ronald Darby. Antonio Cromartie. Derwin James. Man, how is Florida State not higher yeah, this on crazy. this list? This is crazy right here. Miami. Now, see, this is where I got beef because they didn't want to uh, – the NFL Network didn't want to give – Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can't go over Florida State and not give a shout-out to Myron Rowe, man, the Rowe scholar. That's guy true. who said, you know what, I'm done with football. I'm about to go do great things as a doctor. I know, which is awesome. <laughs> and he's doing he's doing great uh, things. Front lines with it, man. Yeah, absolutely. He's got a really cool, really unique story. I got to mention our guy Brian McFadden, too, obviously. Oh, Another man. guy formerly Be of this Matt, parish yes, indeed. here in western Pennsylvania. Now, see, this is where I'm bothered because – the NFL.com, NFL Network, they wouldn't count Ray Lewis towards Miami's linebacker Uh-oh. conversation, but we got Ed Reed and Sean Taylor on here Uh-oh. for the defensive back conversation. Which is a huge amount of points for them, too. Antrell Roll, Brandon Merriweather. Uh, Sam I mean, Shields, let's Sam go. Sam Shields, formerly of this parish, Artie Burns. Philip Buchanan. And you get to Virginia Tech. D'Angelo Hall, Kyler, Kyler, Kyle Fuller, pardon me, Brandon Flowers, Killer Cam, 757, baby. Of this pair. D Hall, 757. Let's go. Edmonds. Let's go. Eric Green, Kendall Fuller, man, Virginia Macho Tech. Macho Harris. I remember. Hey, shout out Dude, to. Dude, I was just going to say, Macho Harris, there's another bro. guy that used to give WVU grief man, all the time. Yeah, Macho was that dude in college, bro. He was a beast. Hey, hey, side note, though, Cody Grimm. So I always had a personal issue with Cody Grimm. So my senior year, obviously this year, I won the Buck Buchanan Award. Okay. I'm winning every player of the year, All-American you can have, right? Mm-hmm. So in Virginia, they have this thing called the Richmond Sports Club. It's supposed to be like a real prestigious thing in Virginia. And like I said, I didn't swept every single award. You name it, I didn't want it because it's not even close. Like my numbers just, that's what they were ranking as. Richmond Sports Club has a player of the year for Virginia. Oh, no. And they gave it to Cody Grimm. Oh no! You talk about what? I was dumbfounded. Oh, what? you ain't who, never going to Richmond. Who again. is this guy? You're never going to Richmond again. Yeah. So, so then from then on, when we got to the league, I made sure that yeah, our careers were very different in well, terms he, of duration and productivity. He was a seventh round pick. Yeah. You were a sixth round pick. Yeah. It, you got but, him but, there. but from then on, bro. From then on. Well, you know, I got no love for Virginia mm. Tech boys. Cody Grimm, I'll never forget. Oh. He now, it looks like, uh, is a coach at Texas Tech yes. as well. So I got no love for this guy mm-hmm. either. I mean, Virginia Tech and Texas Tech, he can and kick I think, rocks I think for they all said I his care. dad played at Virginia Tech as well. He had, like, some ties there with, like, the dude that was doing the award at Richmond. I was like, ah, oh, okay. You know, Arthur, nah, most, really when you talk like about awards in Richmond, all I had to do was Google Cody Graham and take one look at him. Uh-oh. Exactly. And I'll say what you're say not no going to say. I know why Richmond gave him the award and not you, all right? Say no Anybody more. else, just go on Google. Say no more. Just go on Google real quick. That's all we'll say. <laughs> South Carolina also on this say list. Say no more. Stephon Gilmore really bumps up South Carolina, as oh, does Jonathan doubt. Joseph. 
for sure. They, they got some really good DJ players. DJ Swearinger, man, yeah. if he could just. I know. Gosh. I know. He's another one of those yeah. guys. Captain Munnerlin. Mm, that's a, that a really wild. cool name. That's a really cool name. He's a really cool dude too, man. And then USC. How about Troy Polamalu, Adore Jackson? Yeah, Dory. TJ McDaniel, Taylor Mays. I was gonna say, my wow. God, Taylor Mays. He was so much fun to watch in college. Shout, shout out to the homie Nikel Roby Coleman, man. Yep, and RC is on there as well too. So Arthur Moe. Sue Cravens, man. I forgot all about Sue. Is he back in the league? Because I know he left. He, he like retired, came back. I don't know. I thought he was still in Denver last time I checked. But I don't know, like from a contract standpoint, because that would have been a year ago when he retired with the in Washington. Mm-hmm. Jeez, he's only twenty five years old. Let's look here. No, he hasn't been with the. He played two years for uh, the Redskins, one year for the Broncos. That's it. Wow, that's crazy. Fifty third overall pick and out of the league now. That's not nice. how it happens. <laughs> but man, he was him and Taylor Mays were both. They didn't have the best pro careers, but man, they were fun to watch in college. That's for sure. Man, who? Taylor Mays is like a grown man at USC, bro. Just decleat people. It didn't back even there. make sense. Like, how, how's this dude out here doing this? Decleat people back there. All right, Arthur Mutz. So who is it? Who's DBU? Come and, on, man. The football mind of our, is, it's man. LSU, it's LSU. Right? What, what are we talking about here? Yeah, I, I'm yeah. with you. Shouts to Ohio State. They got a great list. Florida, That's cool. yeah. Florida, Alabama, Texas. They got a hey Miami. If I'm counting Ed Reed and Sean Taylor and Antrell Roll. Whew, they got a great list too, but it's LSU. Yes, I mean, what are we talking about Come here? They've on, got man. the they've got the guys that have been doing it for a long time, right? They got the Patrick mm-hmm. Petersons and the Tyron Matthews and the Laron Landrys. They got the up and comers, right? Like Tre'Davious White, like Greedy Williams. I mean, Tre'Davious White already an All Pro. Yeah, he's arguably already one of the best corners yeah. in football. Top three, absolutely. Top three, and he's only going to get better. We think what just turned twenty five. I think. Yeah. Interesting. LSU wears the crown of DBU here on the program. When we come back here, we're going to take our first break. On the other side, we will get to our partner in crime, our buddy, our good friend, back from vacation. He better still be smelling like a vacation. Hey. Back to work, but still smelling like a vacation. He better have a nice tan. We'll talk to Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on the other side. Get those tweets in, two knuckleheads, at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. We put out the signal, and he answered, so to the phones we go, as we always do on Thursdays. Well, I guess except for maybe last Thursday, because he was on vacation, baby. It's our good friend of the show from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Mr. Brian Backo. Backo, what's up, partner? How was the siesta? Uh, it was beautiful down in Virginia Beach, Arthur Moats territory. Seven, five, seven. Let's go. Yep, yep. It was a it was a great time with the uh, with the family. I like it, man. Oh man. So you was down there on the boardwalk, saw a little bit of the strip. I take it. No, we stay up in Sandbridge, away okay, from okay. all the uh, all, all from all the hubbub on Virginia Beach proper. So <laughs> smart. Uh, move. Yeah, we were up in Sandbridge, <laughs> but yeah, I've got uh, I've got family who live down there. My cousins went to uh, Salem and Kellum High School. Yeah, Shout absolutely. Uh, yeah, so we're uh, we're big in the in the seven five seven for sure. I like that. 
man, Salem, Salem High School, shout out to all my hoopers out there, John Gilchrist. If, <laughs> if you know anything about Maryland basketball, University of Maryland, John Gilchrist, best, baddest thing come through there, man. Okay. <laughs> I remember my cousin talking about John Gilchrist like he was a god yeah, back absolutely. in the day. Absolutely. So he had the, he had the wicked crossover and everything. Oh, yeah, he was fire, man. <laughs> but now, you know, we got to talk to you about some of this football stuff. And NFL Network, um, this would have been, I think, earlier today, talking about some of the new rules and things that they're going to be prohibiting this season for the yeah. players. And, and the one thing that I saw was post-game, they're going to be forbidden. The players are from having interactions with the players within six feet and also jersey swaps. I mean, am I missing something here? Doesn't that seem a little backwards? <laughs> I mean, you're going to play a whole game for four quarters, maybe even overtime against these guys, hitting, sweating, bleeding on each other. But now after the game, hey, six feet. Don't even shake his hand. You usually give him air five. Like, talk to me about that, man. What's your thoughts on that? I think it's pretty similar to what we were hearing, uh, I guess, earlier this month or last month from, to me, two of the, the smarter and, and, you know, eloquent coaches in the league and John Harbaugh and Sean McVay were basically saying the same thing of, like, you okay, you want us to do all this social distancing in the locker room, keep guys six feet apart every other stall. We've got to modify how we do everything. How does that make sense or, or reconcile with actually playing football for 60 minutes? And, and I get what those guys are saying, and I get what you're saying about maybe some contradictory uh, policies here. But to me, it, it just uh, further kind of emphasizes and underlines that they're trying to get in and get out of a 60-minute football game, put on a season, entertain fans at home, uh, and, and I guess basically you know, judge the risk-reward aspect of it uh, and, and not go any further than, than you have to in, in terms of putting guys uh, in, in close physical proximity. So, yeah, I mean, it makes uh, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that, that you're going to take these measures immediately post-game or during the week, practice and, and things like that. But uh, it just it does further shatter any illusion uh, of, of the idea that playing football right now is a safe thing to do when you talk about not trying to transmit this virus from person to person. Yeah, it's just every time I hear this and I keep saying it to myself over and over as if it's going to make more sense the more I say it, <laughs> we're going to play 60 minutes. We're breathing on each other. We're laying on each other. We're dogpiling. We're doing everything you need to do right then and there. I can see if they said, hey, post game, put a mask on and, and shake hands or do a jury swap that way. But it, it just it, it's not really making a lot of sense to me when I think about this, man. And, and I guess for me, it makes me question the 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 possibility that football is going to happen because mm. if you're hearing them saying that post game is going to be this serious well how do you as a player justify taking that risk for the 60 minutes which is obviously going to be a lot longer a lot more exposure yeah you really can't and and i think uh, i mean it's it's clear that that it's within these players rights to question the motives of, of the league and the decision makers in, in terms of whether this is safe and, and why they're making sure that they, they want this season to go on. But, you know, just speaking frankly, I mean, if the, the alternative is, uh, you know, cooler heads prevailing and we don't play any football in 2020, well, I don't necessarily want to see that either. So uh, the way I'm looking at it is if it takes some, uh, for lack of a better word, silly uh, regulations and, and things like that before and, and after games in order to, um, I guess get games at all, then, then maybe I'm okay with that. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty difficult to uh, to reconcile those two ideas. And 
uh, that's exactly why you had guys like Harbaugh and McVay speaking up about it. Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, our guest here on the Steelers Blitz. With all of this in consideration, I know I think it was just yesterday, I think T.J. Watt spoke out about how the players are going to need some sort of acclimation period from the football side of things. Is it safe to assume, Backo, too, that everyone's going to need an acclimation period just from the protocol side of things, right? The safety, the security, the health. And how do you think maybe that conversation relates to what's going to happen with the preseason? Yeah, and, and I think that's probably a big reason why the NFL wants to get one or two preseason games in there still. I'm, I'm sure they wouldn't mind the marginal revenue uh, that that provides as well. But uh, that's where uh, I wonder if, if there's some holes to be poked in the NFLPA side of this because, you know, J.C. Treader, the new president, of the players union uh, has, has gotten out in front of this and, and really provided some facts and, and figures to back up his stance that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to put guys in harm's way in preseason settings and then it would make more sense to prevent injury and uh, like you said Wes get guys reacclimated to playing if you just lengthen training camp and uh, I think the the proposal was maybe 48 days of camp um, so that, that's uh, something that you know the league isn't really going to be able to make money at all on on training camps this year and, and the Steelers we know really don't anyway because it's it's free to watch if you go out to Latrobe so uh, there, there's obviously going to be some some heads butting there and, and now you're seeing it too over the economic side of it as well uh, I'm hoping uh, just as a fan of football in the NFL that maybe this is just a, a necessary evil that we need to deal with the two sides. Uh, you know, being far apart so that they can come together for a compromise and it won't be something that drags on as, as far as a labor dispute like baseball had to deal with. Now, I, I saw the, the, the comments from J.C. Treader. We also saw, like you said, from the NFL standpoint, and then we saw where the big mass vote from the NFL PA side saying that they don't want any preseason. But my question to you is, how does the coaching staff and scouts properly evaluate the players without having preseason games because we all can attest to how a player will look great in practice in that controlled setting but then you put him in a game setting whether it's preseason or regular season and they look drastically different but most i think you can also extend that to uh, you know how can you properly evaluate a guy in a preseason setting and then see if he's going to do that in the regular season when the games actually count you know what i mean mm -hmm. like it's still not the same i know mike tomlin one of his favorite cliches this time of year is, is seeing what a guy can do in stadium but it's, it's one thing to, to perform in stadium uh when it's week eight and you're uh you know five and two and uh you're trying to keep it rolling and, and really get into great position for a playoff spot versus when it's week three of the preseason and, and it doesn't matter at all whether you beat the jets and no one's going to remember your record uh you know three months from now let alone a year <laughs> from now so uh, I think that part of it is, is maybe a little bit overblown. Uh, I think if you can't make evaluations and uh, determine who's worthy of a spot in practice this year, then, then that's kind of on you. And uh, as, as you know, something else that the NFLPA has said is, you know, we, we need to uh, football needs to bend to this virus rather than the other way around. And, and I think finding a way to make roster decisions possibly without any of those meaningless preseason games this August is, is one of those ways that, uh, football and, and coaches and front offices can bend to the pandemic that we're in right now. Now, I hear you keep saying that they're meaningless, and from a wins and losses perspective, they are. But from the, what, 
30th from from the top 30 guys to to the end of that roster 30 through 90 that are on the roster right you're not going to tell me that it's not meaningful to those guys they're not out there playing for x's and i mean for for winning the game and losing the game but the evaluation is drastically different in a game setting versus in a practice setting for sure but it, but it's also you know we know that it's not always fair and, and the guys who perform the best uh, in those settings don't always get rewarded for that i mean it, you you hope that you do but there's a whole lot more that, that goes into to building a roster in terms of the politics of who has had draft picks used on them, who has had uh, you know bigger free agent uh, money sunk into them. So I think every year you, you can point to guys who, hey, based on what he did in the preseason, why isn't he on this 53-man roster or why didn't he even make the practice squad? So, I mean, I, I think you see uh, inequities like that all the time in, in the preseason. It's not as simple as just, all right, the guys who lead the team in rushing uh, in these four exhibition games are going to be our, our running back room. So uh, I definitely hear what you're saying. It's it's tough to be a guy who maybe didn't get a shot in the pre-draft process, especially this year in 2020, knowing as, uh, as out of whack as it was, uh, and maybe you don't even get as many rat reps in practice as you would like. But also when you're carrying a 90-man offseason roster, there's not even any guarantee of getting the reps that you might deserve in the preseason. So uh, it's, it's something that doesn't always shake out well, and, and that's why it makes you appreciate the true underdog stories when you see them, like an Ola Adani, uh, or to an extent last year, Tuzar Skipper. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a good call by you. I wonder, Brian, we're, what, here? I think 15, 16 days from when training camps are supposed to break, supposed to open. If you had to, uh, you know, if you were in Vegas and you were putting a chip down on the table, does that, does that date stand? <laughs> Or could you potentially see it getting pushed back uh, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, something like that? I think I would still bet on them finding a way to open. And, and the, the thing that kind of gives me optimism is when you see some of these memos and, and uh, stuff that's being leaked out or released that the, the NFL and, and its teams and its players are working on to try to combat positive tests and uh, and working through the pandemic. I mean, it, I almost think that the complexity of it is going to be what allows things to go off without a hitch. I mean, you look at it, it's like a, it's legitimately a flow chart for what teams have to follow uh, when it comes to their testing procedures. And uh, most, maybe your kids are, are at the right age for this. Maybe they can make us flashcards to remember uh, what happens if you test positive or if you come into a close contact, quote unquote. Uh, how long you, you need to sit out for, how many days in a row you're going to get tested. So, I mean, the, the NFL, they have the resources. They've had the time that other leagues haven't had to, to formulate uh, what they hope and, and what we, of course, hope is a foolproof plan uh, to make this work, at least within reason, and, and prevent you know a, a really damaging outbreak or, or something that wipes out a whole team or even a whole position group on a team because of positive tests. So you even see some examples from other sports uh, like NASCAR with Jimmy Johnson, who's now tested negative enough, I guess, that he uh, is able to get back out there racing. You see, I think it was just earlier today, Tiger Woods says he's going to uh, golf in their next tournament despite some of the upheaval that we've seen on the PGA Tour. So uh, it's not going to be easy, but to answer your question, Wes, I think I've seen enough uh, smart and, and like I said, uh, it's thoroughly complicated uh, restrictions and policies here for the NFL uh, that, that makes me think they'll be able to find a way to make this work and on time. 
And now I think it was it would have been yesterday or day before yesterday we saw the Ravens say that they're going to have was it fourteen thousand fans in the stadium? I think the Steelers said fifteen thousand. If I if I, if I remember that correctly. So you still, I mean, in terms of your thoughts on how they're going to be going about doing that, you still think that's going to be a good idea and everything? I think we're trending towards no fans this season, and, and to me, it's it's going to be. Uh, one of those deals where it, that is a compromise that the NFL will, will have to be willing to make. I mean, we talked at the, the top of the segment about some of the uh, maybe hypocrisy that, that is included in even trying to play football right now if, if you're so worried about the spread of this virus because it's, it's just not logical to think that it's something you can do while, while also maintaining social distancing in a reasonable way. So with all of that said and, and acknowledged or, or whatever, uh, I think the, the compromise that you can make is just say, hey, if we can get these games on TV, get these TV deals, get that side of the revenue, pay everyone that we need to pay, don't upset the players who just signed a new collective bargaining agreement, uh, maybe we can sacrifice uh, all those butts in the seats, be it at Heinz Field, M&T Bank Stadium, or, or what have you. I mean, we're going to see kind of what it looks like uh, with some of the other leagues first, I imagine. Uh, and maybe that'll give the NFL a, a little bit better idea of uh, what the optics will be like. Uh, I mean that, I guess, figuratively and literally <laughs> if you don't have fans. So it just seems like, you know, here in early July with what the Ravens are saying and now what the Steelers uh, were, were willing to put out yesterday, uh, to, to me the, the arrow is, is pointing towards uh, no fans or, or if there are uh, a very, very minuscule amount of fans uh, to watch games in 2020 because it's probably just the safe way to go. Last one I got for you here, Mr. Batko. If you signed a $500 million contract, uh-oh, what's the first thing you'd do? Oh, man, we were actually talking about this on vacation, uh, what, what you would do. With all, I mean, certainly I'd want to buy a, a beach house for the fam, maybe both sides of the fam, mm. uh, be it in, in our in our favorite uh, lo- locale of Sandbridge or, or somewhere else. But uh, that would be pretty nice to, to not have to worry about renting one out every week and just have one to do as we please with. So uh, I think that would be my answer. Get a, get a nice house on the beach somewhere. Hey, maybe even two or three of them. I, I think you could afford it with, uh, with a Patrick Mahomes type paycheck. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. That's a good answer. Can't go wrong with that at you all. Cannot man. go wrong with the with the vacation with the beach house. You can't go wrong with Brian Backo either. Find his work in the Post Gazette. He's on Twitter at Brian Backo. Hasn't changed his number since the seventh grade. Partner, we appreciate the time as always. And I appreciate Moats not giving me any grief. Let me take one week just to sit on my butt and, and not work and not talk to you guys on the phone on a Thursday. So thanks, Moats. As long as you enjoyed an adult beverage for me, we're all good. <laughs> I think I did one for, uh, for everyone on the team. <laughs> Back up. Thanks for the time, buddy. We appreciate it as always. There he goes from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, our good friend of the show. You can tell he's got that post-vacation energy, baby. Good vibes. Yes, good indeed. vibes. You can just feel the vibes radiating through the phone. All right. On the other side here, when we come back, it is time to get into today's topic du jour. Who are the best draft picks in Pittsburgh Steelers franchise history? This was a lot harder than we thought it was going to be. <laughs> Because the Steelers have been really good at drafting dudes for like 50 years. No exaggeration. <laughs> but we'll try and figure it out. We'll try and rank them. We'll split some hairs on the other side. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, it's Steelers Blitz on SNR.
Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Our new official hype song here on the program, Little Rolling Stones to bring us in for our conversation today. Arthur Motes, I hope they got shelter out there. It's another hot one. It is. In western Pennsylvania, but we won't complain, baby. I don't mind it. Could well, be worse. Know, Could be 10 degrees outside and, you know, wind and rain whipping around everywhere. See, Sleep, that's not, that's not worse. I actually, I wouldn't, I would enjoy that. I'm just throwing it out there. No, I'm, a four, I'm a Four like Seasons that. guy. Yeah. But I, w- would you rather have it like 90 degrees outside or like 9 degrees outside? I would personally have 9 because I could always put more on. Really? I can't take enough off. I agree with you on that. Once I get hot, it's over. I can, I, I, it's been times where I'm sitting in my, in my yeah. underwear and I'm still sweating. I don't like that fan on. I am with you on yeah. that. I just feel like there's certain things, though, that like you can't do in 9-degree weather. Well, like, see, I'm go a, outside at all. I mean, you can pull well, more well, on, but I, it's I, I was going to say, enjoyable. I'm an indoor guy anyways. Okay. So that yeah, the, the outside never really appeals to see, me I'm like that. See, I'm an outdoors that. kind. I like yeah. outdoor activities. When they're like, oh, know? man, it's hot. It's beautiful. Day. I'm like, I don't want to sit outside. Oh, put the TV outside. I don't want to sit outside. Oh, let's go camping. I don't want to well, be outside. I'm with you on that. When I'm relaxing, I don't want to be outside, for yeah, sure. We agree on that. Outside. No. I don't need a TV outside, all right? No, no, if I'm trying to watch the TV and relax, let me sit in the air conditioning. I'm an AC guy anyways, and if it's crazy cold, the heat can always get cranked up. I can always put more on i can never take enough off that's a good point it's a good point by you you know i don't know we'll see and when it gets hot you get bugs i hate bugs mosquitoes now that is a fantastic point it's not my thing man arthur motes our topic du jour Steelers top 10 draft picks of all time you go first today right what why are you playing games man come on You know I don't go first. Motes and I thought that this was going to be like an easy topic, right? Like, oh, this will be easy. We'll kill a couple segments with this. And then I was at the this morning. I'm like pulling my hair out and biting my fingernails. I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. I'm over here like, dang, this is disrespectful. How can I leave this guy off the top ten? Or or what got me was this. Once I figured out my top ten, the order of it, though. Oh, that was a whole other nightmare. Listen, it's been like three or four weeks now that Arthur Motes and I have been, you know, we've been doing this gold rush for content. Of everything that we've talked about over the least the last three, four weeks, I think this is what I am least confident in <laughs> in terms oh, of a list. Man. But I am, I, let, I will say this, I'm very confident in my top three, okay? And then after that is where it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where I'm going. I'm not here. confident of anybody on this list, like in terms of the order of it. And number one, I'm very confident in, and I'll start there, okay? I'm going to be confident depending on the name you say. That, that'll boost my confidence. The year was 1969. Okay. The Pittsburgh Steelers were- We're doing just top draft picks, correct? Correct. Okay. Top draft picks overall first year. Pittsburgh Steelers were a hapless franchise. They, I think, had had two winning seasons in franchise, three winning seasons in franchise history, something like that. That was it. It had been 30-some years of a whole lot of bleh, whole lot of not even mediocrity, just bad football in the Steel City. But things changed. In 1969, when the Steelers picked fourth overall, and they took the most important figure in franchise history. Yes, hey, we all know it began with Mr. Rudy, and we all know there wasn't much winning done until Chuck Knoll took over. But until the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted the relative unknown out of North Texas State University. Of course, I'm talking about Charles Edward Green, better known as Mean Joe Green, fourth overall. 
the Steelers were never the same after Mean Joe was selected. That's number one, the most important figure in franchise history. 1969, first round, fourth overall out of North Texas State, Charles Edward Green. Number two, now, despite nailing the Mean Joe Green selection, right, because he won Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, his rookie season, the Steelers won one game that year still. All right? So even though they nailed it with Mean Joe, they were picking first overall the next season. And Arthur Motes, when you pick first overall, Mm -hmm. you better not mess it up. Better not. You better not mess it up. That's what you better not do. Even more so, if you're going to take a quarterback first overall, boy, you better nail it. You better nail it because if you hit on it, you're setting your franchise up for the next 15, 20 years. If you miss on it, you're setting yourself back potentially another decade. In 1970, the Pittsburgh Steelers picked first overall, and they selected Terry Bradshaw, the blonde bomber out of Louisiana Tech. Hey, you better not mess up when you're picking first overall. And in 1970, they did not. That's number two on my list. And then number three on my list, you know, I thought about this a lot. Mm-hmm. I really did. This is where it really starts to get difficult. But I'm thinking about the illustrious history of the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? And we talk about the 70s and we talk about the 2000s. And, man, there were some really good teams in the 90s. A lot of different ways I could go here. But a lot Motes, of different ways. There's only been two guys in the storied history of the Steelers franchise. They've only won championships, Super Bowls, whatever you want to call them, NFL championships before the Super Bowl, in the Super Bowl era. They've only been top dog in the league with two signal callers under center. So how could I not have at number three picking uh, number 11? In 2004, thanks to the Baltimore Ravens playing their starters in a meaningless Week 17 game because Brian Billick wanted to beat the Steelers, mm. which the Ravens did in overtime, which moved the Steelers from yeah, probably pick 16, 17, 18 range up to 11. That allowed them to nab the big gunslinger out of Miami of Ohio, 11th overall, the third quarterback taken, but the best one in that draft class. Arthur Motes, number third. I've got the selection of Ben Roethlisberger, number 11th in 2004. So my top three (laughs) picks in Steelers franchise history. Number one, 1969, fourth overall, mean Joe Green Charles. Edward Green, baby. Number two, the next year, first overall. When you pick first, you better not mess up. When you're taking a quarterback, you really better nail it. And they did so with the Blonde Bomber out of Louisiana Tech. And then number third, number third, number three, the only guy other than the Blonde Bomber to lead the Steelers to a championship from under center. He was the third quarterback taken in that class. Wasn't even a top 10 pick. Number 11, Benjamin Roethlisberger. Arthur Motes. Oh, man. What say you? So we said going into this that, hey, this is the hardest thing we've ever had to do. This is tough. We said that, hey, you said you were very confident in your top three. I said, man. I'm confident in my top three. I'm not even confident in my top three because, you know, it could be all over the place, right? <laughs> and it's different things that go into how I decided to pick my guys. One was, you know, obviously their impact on the franchise. One was their impact during their time playing. Another one was just my overall feeling of, man, I thought this dude was a dog. Regardless if sure. I saw him or not, if the urban legend about this guy is a dog, well, you know what? He's a dog. Let's be honest. that pl- The urban legend plays into this a lot. Big time. I mean, it does. Big time. So, with that being said, man, with that being said, mm. oh, baby, oh, baby, oh, baby. Well, you know, we'll get to the easy part. The easy part was number one, okay? Because we both agreed upon that, man. It had to be Joe Green. When you talk about – just what he meant to the franchise and how he changed the overall landscape of them. I mean, of the Steelers franchise. 
by coming here, by ultimately changing everything, leading the charge. From the D-line position, I mean, dude, he yeah, Coca-Cola commercial as a D-tackle. I mean, like, that's that's rare. Yeah. I mean, good luck trying to find a D-tackle uh, with a Coca-Cola commercial right Aaron now. Aaron Donald's really popular. Yeah. He's not doing national commercials not, not for at Coke. All. Not at all. <laughs> or Pepsi or Gatorade yeah, like, like, or anybody. To, to me, that part always stood out. I'm like, man, that is out of control that this dude had that. And it was a dope commercial, if I do say so. It was. So, it was good. You know what I'm saying? So, for me, that's why I had to have Joe Green, man. And, let's be he's a gold jacket guy. So, it's not even a debate when it comes to uh, to that. And, like I said, man, everything that he did on the field, the accolades speak for themselves. I wish they had the statistics for how many sacks he had because I'm sure it would have been something astronomical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he was just in the wrong area. They didn't really talk about that. But anytime Mr. Rooney says what a stealer is, and he says the closest thing to that is Joe Green, I mean, it's not a debate for me anymore. I mean, for me, it's simple. Joe Green, that's the guy. I've said this before. I don't know if I've ever said this on our program, though. If I was like a documentary and film documentary filmmaker, mm-hmm. like if I was like one of these guys who made 30 for 30s for ESPN or, you know, like The Last Dance, like if I would have gone that sports, you know, route in my career, I would love nothing more if I had like the, the money and the pool and the gravitas to do a documentary about why Mean Joe Green means more to any any franchise like he means more to any franchise in American sports because without Mean Joe Green who knows Arthur Motes I don't know if we'd be sitting here talking about six Super Bowls oh you're absolutely right or the Steelers nation that's so large it lets us have our own bleeping radio station which is insane (laughs) Mean Joe number one baby yeah man so I said that that was probably the easiest of them all then from there you're gonna find out real quick just how uh where you value (laughs) yeah 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 so (laughs) Because there's a lot of different, you know, like you can go with, oh man, look, they drafted this guy in the. Yeah, you know, well, in we're gonna get right round. into it because because we know for you, man, you're an offensive guy, so it doesn't surprise that you have two quarterbacks in your top three. That's completely fine. That doesn't surprise me. But for me, you're gonna see right away what type of guy I am. Okay, so at number two, this cast a first rounder, first ballot Hall of Famer, has beautiful hair, goes by the name of Baby Jesus. And you talk about a guy having an impact on a franchise. You talk about a guy being one of the most dominant safeties all time. You talk about a guy that was responsible single-handedly for multiple Super Bowls. You talking about my guy, my brother, Mr. Troy Palomalu. Yes, indeed. That's why I have it at number two. Because when I think of his impact, when I think of what he stood for, when I you, you talk about Joe Green having national commercials. Oh. Oh, Troy still has national commercial. We got him linked up think with Patrick Mahomes. Think, you think about all the uh, Earl Thomas doesn't even have commercials like how Troy Palomalu has. Troy's been retired for five years. Think about He's it. Still getting NFL national it. commercials. Troy, Troy changed no, the years. game. He's been retired for seven years. Seven years, yeah. Because you have to be retired for seven years to get into the Hall to of the Fame, Hall, don't yeah. you? No, yeah. five years to get into the Hall Is of Fame. Is it five? Okay. Yeah, it's five. Okay. 2014, he, he retired. Yeah, so four, six, no, 14 six. was his last season. Was his last season. Yeah, because yeah, we, so we had the one year 15, together. 16, 17, 18, 19. Yeah, five yeah. years so far, this would be the sixth yep. year. Yeah. So that's why Troy's my guy. That's why Troy's in number two, because we talk about what he did, how he represented himself, both on and off the field. You talk about what, what a stealer is, man. I mean, he operates with such class off the field, super humility, man, great guy for the community. But when he's on the field, he is a warrior. I mean, we've seen countless times. I mean, dude, you could just have a three-hour special on just his hits. Yeah. Just him. Like, that's that's the type of guy Troy was on the field, man. And when, when I think of him being, like I said, just the most dominant player at his position during his time, 
like that always stood out to me for a long period of time. Yes, absolutely. Like, it wasn't a, it wasn't a one or two because we talk about Le'Veon. He had a one or two, uh, a two or three year run. He's a perfect kind but of, but then it kind of went away from that, right? Yeah. And then we talked about how even with a Rod Woodson, how it was still debatable at times. Okay, and we could go down the list of different players where it was debatable. It wasn't debatable with Troy. When we talk about Troy Ed Reed, they're two different positions. That's like comparing a corner to a safety Correct. or a free safety to a strong safety, which in that case it receiver. was. Right. They were very different in their styles. But there was clear cut only one Troy, and I think there will only ever be one Troy Palomalu. So that's why he is at number two for me on this list. I like it. He's Spoiler alert, he's in my top five. Okay. I like that. He's in my top five. I like that because I know your offense heavy, so he's probably number five. No, but you, you hold on now. You <laughs> know I love Troy. No, no, and you. On. He's hold probably he's now. probably number five. Hold on now. Yeah, you gonna have quarterback, quarterback, running back, tight end. Yeah, no, I know how you roll. Offensive but that's, line. But that's neither here nor there. So now at number three, at number three, you know, you know me, you know how I feel when it comes to history of the game. I love the history of the game. We're talking Super Bowl champions. We talking record holders. We talking just overall impact on the game. We're talking about people that impacted the game forever. Guys that played during the seventies, but still where, have rules. But still going, have yeah. rules that are impacted to, in today's game because of their play in the seventies. I think I know where you're going here. And when you talking about bang for your buck, you talking about bargain. You talk about hitting the home run. I mean, it's easy to, to to draft in the first round. That's easy. Anybody can do that, right? I mean, you should be able to unless you're Cleveland. But anybody should be able to do that. <laughs> but when you can get a Hall of Famer in the third round, you can get a guy that they changed the rules for in the league in the third round. Yeah, that guy makes my yeah. top three. And he goes by the name of Mel Blunt. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Third round pick in that same draft that has your boy Terry Bradshaw. Love Terry Bradshaw, man. Beautiful hair, by the way. I'm a hair guy if you haven't realized that just yet. <laughs> hey, you got Troy up there. You like me. I mean. yeah, absolutely, man. So for me, man, when, when, when I think of the fact, because that was a tough decision for me. I was like, man, you know, it's easy to talk about some of these quarterbacks and a Terry Bradshaw and a big Benjamin Roethlisberger. But I said, man, these guys are, are, are first round picks. First round picks. Mm-hmm. And there still was times where it was debatable if they were the best at their position during their time. Hmm. Whereas with Mel Blunt, I said Mel was a third-round pick. Third round. To me, that holds more weight because not only was he picked later on, so you know from a talent standpoint, you're when you pick somebody in the third round, you're saying that, hey, they weren't good enough to be a first-rounder. They weren't good enough to be a top-ten pick or a top-eleven pick if we're being technical right, here. Right, you know what I mean? Right. But But that says a lot. And the fact that he was able to not only come in, win multiple Super Bowls, get a defensive player of the year, but be one of the most dominant players that we ever seen in that position to the point where they said, you know what, man, we got to change these rules. This is It's not fair. He can say, man, I'm a third rounder. Well, I should be able to, this should be my only way to go. But no, no, no. They had to change rules for this man. And then after they changed rules, he still was dominating. What are we talking about? It was like they changed rules and he got worse. They changed rules and got better. He said, I can do that too. So for me, that's why I have Mel Blunt at number three on my list, man. So just to recap, I my like top it. three. I like it. As you can see, the dark side always wins, baby. So we got Mean Joe Green at number one, the ultimate stiller. Then at number two, we got my man TP, baby Jesus, Troy Palomalu. And then at number three, Mr. Mel Blunt. Rule change, baby. So that's how I'm rolling right now. All right, my top three, uh, number one overall, right? I think everybody has to agree on this. Uh, mean Joe Green. Without a doubt. You want to know what's funny? You can go, if you go on Google, find some of the uh, articles in the Pittsburgh papers mm-hmm. from the day after the Steelers drafted Mean Joe Green. 
It's like, yeah. wh- why they drafted this unknown yes. guy out of North Texas State? North Typical Steelers. Texas what are State. they doing? Waste of a draft pick. He's number one. Number two, the blonde bomber, Terry Bradshaw. Number three, big Benjamin Roethlisberger. All right, when we come back, we'll give the rest of our lists. Spoiler alert, you won't have to wait very long until you hear baby Jesus on my list on the other <laughs> side, all right? Spoiler alert. Uh, so an hour in the book, 60 minutes to go. Keep those tweets rolling in. At Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Feeling electric. Well, that's good. Me too. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler inside that electric factory that Arthur Motes is referencing. Having some fun today. Who are the Steelers' top 10 draft picks of all time? We agreed on number one. We've disagreed from there. We both have Mean Joe Green uh, number one overall. 
uh, Motsi has Palomalu two, Mel mm-hmm. Blunt three. Uh, you can see the you know just the defensive bias over and there. And you from can my see colleague. you can see just the the typical. Well, let's go offense. The let's, typical prom king let's, personality. Let's go, let's go Bradshaw Ben. Let's yeah. go Swan Starworth. Well, you know I had that Bradshaw up there. Part let's, of the good hair club. Let's you know? go Franco. Let's, part let's, of the good hair club. Let's, let's throw all these offense guys on the list. Yeah. I have Mean Joe number one, obviously too. If you got, listen, this this is you could go you could debate a lot of things on this list as Mozi and I have done and will do here uh, over the second hour. I don't think you can debate Mean Joe at number one. Uh, but I had Terry Bradshaw number two, Ben Roethlisberger number three, and I told you you wouldn't have to wait long. Number four on my list is my favorite Pittsburgh Steller of all time, the last Steelers jersey more than likely that I'll ever buy, Troy Polamalu, number four. Man, and you said you like him. That's your favorite? He's at four? Wow. Moats, you know, I I know, you know, this is your year number two for you, but, you know, part of this media thing, you got to put your personal favorites aside, you know. Wow. i got to take my black and gold glasses off. Exactly, you should. You know, I mean, you you were telling me to keep those black and gold glasses on yesterday when we were talking about Geno Atkins, and now I'm taking them off. I'm saying, man, we're talking accolades, and we're talking personal accomplishments. I mean, what are we talking here? Troy Polamalu, number four for number 43. Um, Everything that Moats echoed, plus the fact that I think this is rare. I mean, the Steelers rarely ever do this, right? It was the last time they did this before Devin Devin Bush. Bush, The Steelers moved up from 27th to 16th to nab Troy Polamalu. I think people often forget about that. They uh, they traded. They did a little tango with the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, and then the Kansas City Chiefs went on to draft uh, Larry Johnson in that. So I think it worked no, out. It worked out, worked out yeah. well for both teams, but much better for the Steelers. Yeah. Um, that's just something the Steelers again they don't really do that very often, particularly in the first round. They've moving. Mo- they do some moving and shaking in the Correct. later rounds, but not very often in the first round. You move up from 27th to 16th to draft Troy. That obviously adds extra pressure. And I think it's funny, too, Moats and I were talking about this during the break, the dynamic of Steelers draft Mean Joe Green, and then the next year they get Terry Bradshaw. Steelers draft Troy Polamalu, and then the next year they get Ben Roethlisberger. It's a very, like, you get your defensive anchor, you get your guy that sets the tone on defense, and then you get your quarterback kind you saw, of your, You saw how that works, though, right? You said defense, you first. defense first? Okay, yeah. just throwing it out there. Listen, through okay. my top four here, all right, I've got two offense, two defense. So what are we talking about? Am no, no, I no. Number five through your guys? top three. My, Your top three is where it matters. My guy is defense as well, too. So three of my top five are It defense. doesn't matter because your top three, uh, you have two offensive guys. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. So? Where's your this priorities? This is a top three list. This is a top ten list. Where are your priorities? Number five on my list. It was his birthday yesterday, Arthur Ooh, Motes. Ooh, okay, okay. Another guy, 46th overall, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which was a second round selection at the time, I believe. Right? Yeah, end, yeah, of the yeah, second, yeah. end of the second Absolutely. round. Um. Linebacker out of Kent State. You want to talk about, right, a lot of these other things. We've talked about Troy Polamalu yes, and everything that yes. he means even more so from just on the field. We talked about Mean Joe Green and everything that he means so uh, to the Steelers organization even outside of those white lines. This guy, he's the face of the Steelers. Even more so than Mean Joe, it's that mustache, it's that neck roll, it's that man. goofy mullet hair. It's the boogeyman. It's the guy who once famously said that you got to put quarter, uh, put quarterbacks and dresses it's the guy who once famously said he doesn't care about field conditions he'll play the game in the parking lot it's jack lambert baby 46th overall linebacker i must say i'm, I'm not opposed to him saying that you got to put quarterbacks and dresses either I, i'm i full support that. it's pretty it's pretty funny i love too where he said i don't care about field conditions i'll play yeah. in the parking lot if we have to that's number five for me. Can't have that guy any lower than number five. So, Arthur Mutz, do you want me to keep going? Do you want to give your next two? How you want to do No, no, this? do your next three. Do, do four, three, three, six. Three, yeah, three, 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 three
Uh, now, this is really uh, – my top five wasn't that difficult for me, honestly. I could move those guys around a little bit. Yeah. But those were the five that I, I knew were going to be in, in number five. I mean, shoot, you said it wasn't difficult. You know I'm over here. I just told you I moved somebody in the break. Yeah, I, I, I did too. <laughs> I was like, doing the break, I, I moved somebody. <laughs> I did too. Uh, at number six, though, you know, it's funny. We got a tweet here from the next Supreme who said she can't believe that I, I had Troy Polamalu not in my tie. He was number four. All right? No, I mean, it, if he's not top three, it's disrespectful. Come on. Period. Period. Come on. That's like saying Joe Gray's number four on the list. It's all this good. This might be no. my most controversial take here, Arthur Uh-oh. Notes. You ready for this one? Can't be too controversial. You got two quarterbacks to get top three, but go ahead. Oh, this guy want to talk about him. <laughs> quarterbacks being a bad pick. <laughs> I'm going offense again here. Uh-huh. Doesn't surprise me. Sixth overall, mm-hmm. Mr. Sixth Round himself. Uh-oh. Oh. Ooh, you Antonio Brown. Oh, let's go. Pick 195. Let's go. Now, look, listen here, Arthur. Let's why. go. A lot of these guys that are – the guys that I have, 7, 8, 9, 10, my honorable mentions, uh-huh. they accomplished more in Steelers uniforms you know than Antonio Brown it. did. But you and I have talked about this. He was the best receiver in the NFL for a decade mm-hmm. as a sixth round, 195th overall. Mm-hmm. Arthur Motes. It's one thing. It's impressive, right, where the Steelers were able to get a lot of these 70s guys. Yes. It's, it, that's one thing. Donnie Schell went undrafted, Correct. and they take Mel Blunt in the third round, and they Correct. took uh, Jack Ham and Jack Lambert both outside of the first round. It's one thing to do that in the 70s. Correct. To get a diamond in the rough like Antonio Brown in 2010 when there's no more secrets. No, the no. scouting's there on everybody. The film's there on Absolutely, everybody. You man. can't hide somebody that you really like. That, to me, is just insane. It's one thing to find value like that in the 70s. It's another to do it in the modern era. That's why Mr. Sixth Round. Mr. Big Chess? I've got him at number six, Motsi. Oh, I can feel the mean tweets coming in already. Listen, listen. I don't have any issue with that. In fact, I debated myself having him higher on my list. But for me, it was like, okay, some other guys that I just, I personally cannot put him over just yet. But trust me. I'm 1,000% behind that pick, man. I don't have an issue with that at all. Yeah. So, all right, so real quick, uh, my top six. Mean Joe Green, Terry Bradshaw, Ben Roethlisberger, Troy Polamalu, Jack Lambert, Antonio Brown. All right, I love it. I love it. So now for me, man, going at my number four, I'm a defensive guy as well, man. You know me. I'm staying uh, defense, I know baby. where you go. Oh, your entire top ten is going to be defense. It would be, but I, I had to give a little diversity. <laughs> But now this guy was a first-round pick in the 1987 draft. Obviously did his thing as a DB. People will debate who's the better DB between him and my boy Prime Time. Well, some people will. But, but that's for another debate. That's for a different day. At the end of the day, though, you talk about a guy who was dominant as a corner, as a safety, as a return man. I mean, you name it, he did it. Oh, and he could tackle because I know that's a big deal. He could tackle. So for me, man, I had to go Rod Wilson at number four, man. I thought that you talk about his impact on the game. You talk about his impact on the Steelers as well. And, and as much as I hate to say it, he had an impact that he could leave and still be just as impactful somewhere else. So, for me, man, I'm like, yeah, I, I got to go with Rod, man. So, that's why I have him at number four, man. It's, I think he's an excellent draft pick. Excellent. I mean, you talk about a career Hall of Famer. You name the accolades. You name the stats. You name anything. He has accomplished it. Mm-hmm. So, for me, man, that's why I have him at number four. At number five, you know I couldn't have no, no quarterback not on my list in the top five. <laughs> that would be blasphemous. You know I have to have some type of offense of guy on my list. And I did, spoiler, have an offensive guy at number five, but I just flipped him. I flipped him, all right? Because I said, you, you you can't have a great franchise without having a great quarterback. I've it's experienced true. that in Buffalo. You have. I've experienced that in Arizona. You have. It's not fun. you got to have a quarterback. So, without further ado, you talk about a guy who has multiple championships. M- 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 multiple championships. Along with all pros. Player of the year. Okay, I know where yeah. you're going here. Yeah. 
for me, it's one thing to have one Super Bowl or two Super Bowls. It's another thing to have multiple Super Bowls, along with being Super Bowl MVP, along with being your regular season MVP, along with having all these other accolades. So for me, that's why I had to go with Terry Bradshaw. And I understand people will say, well, hold on, man. Ben has the better number statistically. But we also have to agree that, hey, this is a very different era in which the two are playing in. But when you talk about the impact, it's certain things that Bradshaw was able to accomplish in an era where there were some dogs at yeah. quarterback, other, yeah. other Hall of Famers. And he was still able to win awards over those guys, still win multiple Super Bowls over those guys, and still be the leader of that offense, be the leader of that team, be the reason why they're winning these games. So for me, man, I had to go with Terry Bradshaw. And I like, like I said, I love his hair, man. I can't help myself. I like right? it. So that was my uh, my fifth guy. Now at number six, I stayed on offense. <laughs> okay. Stayed on offense. And this dude is a beast. We know this. We know he's a beast. <sighs> Big time beast. Is he a recent beast? What depends on which recent he. Like last decade? Nah, probably a little bit further okay, than that. Okay, okay, a little bit further than that. But for me, man, this was my debate. So I said, you know, it's, it's some other guys that you could say from an offense standpoint. It's another quarterback that's and sitting out there. We got a there. lot of big names. You got on this some list receivers still. out there. I mean, you got you got some amazing players. But I thought to myself, I said, man, when you talk about building a team, when you talk about the foundation of your team, we talked about how you have to have a defensive stalwart. We talked about how you have to have a quarterback. But then at the same time, you have to have somebody that's willing to protect that quarterback, mm -hmm. somebody that's willing to put everything oh, on the line for that quarterback, here. somebody that's willing to change the game for that quarterback, somebody that touches the ball every single play. Yes, I'm sir. talking every single play. Yes, indeed. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Mike Webster, baby. Mr. Mike yeah. Webster, Hall of Famer, Webby in the building, the OG 5-2, the one and only. So, yeah, man, that, that's why for me, man, I had to go Mike Webster because I understood his impact on the game. Oh. You talk about how, you know, just a guy that changed the center position. And the thing that gets me is this. You talked about A.B. because I thought A.B. And I said, man, A.B.'s value as a sixth rounder was insane. You think about the things he was able to accomplish, Mike et cetera, Webster, et cetera. fifth rounder. But it was in the fifth round. And shout out to that might be the best draft class all time with what four Hall of Famers mm -hmm. all in that seventy four and, and, and Donnie Shell undrafted, undrafted undrafted five Hall of Famers like, in one crazy. rookie class yeah. that is crazy. No, that'll never be replicated in any sport I don't care that's the best crazy. draft class and five Hall of Famers from one rookie class that's insane dude crazy but for me man seeing him as a fifth rounder because I said with AB. Once I mean, if AB gets into the Hall of Fame, changes everything for me. But as it stands right now, he's not in the Hall, and people will debate if he will get in or won't get in because they're still saying that hey, how do you put him in when he's not even the all-time leader and he played his whole career here in Pittsburgh, nine years of it. I'm excuse me, we're talking about receiving yards, touchdowns, right, catches, right. and all these other things, etc. Right. So for me, when I think of Webby, though, when I think of Mike Webster, cool. you talk about his impact. I mean, and obviously it was a tragedy in terms of how he passed away, but just him on the field. He changed the center position. He made it cool to be a center. And then you see the guys that have followed after him and the legacy that they've tried to live up to because of that guy. So that's why for me I have Mike Webster at six. So just to recap, like man, it. at number one, I got Joe Green. At number two, my dog TP, baby Jesus, Palomalu. At number three, you got Mr. Mel Blunt, change the rules, and I'm going to choke you out. <laughs> and then at number four, we got Rod Wilson. You could call him better than Prime. We could say it's debatable. At number five, we got the Bond. Um, Mr. Terry Bradshaw, Mr. Catch Him On Some Reality Show, Mr. He's Always Having a Blast. And then at number six, my 5'2 brother, Mr. Mike Webster. Baby! Whew! 
I love it. I, we got man, we're close. I mean, we got all the same names. I think just in different orders I think here. So yeah. let's let's give uh, let's give number seven before we go to break let's here because we got a couple more minutes. Number seven on my list, Mel Blunt. I mean, how could I? I couldn't have him any lower than this. Like, I, I was about to say, man, you can't real, real. I mean, I feel bad. Bro. I got Mike Webster coming up here soon too. I feel bad he's yeah. not higher on my list, but I got Jack Hay. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of guys here that you certainly Absolutely. could argue in the top five without a doubt. But you nailed everything with Mel Blunt. Um, the year after Joe Green, two rounds after Terry Bradshaw, just a perfect selection, pick 53, third round. would be second round now, but yes. third round with the amount of teams that were in the league back then. Uh, another guy, like me and Joe Green, when they drafted him, like, who's Mel Blunt out of Southern University? Who is this who, guy? Who, who, are, who are we talking about? Which, side note, another reason why Bill Nunn should be in the friggin' Pro Football Hall of Come Fame. Come on, baby. Come on. The guy who changed. We talk about how Mel Blunt changed the rules of playing mm-hmm. defensive back. <laughs> Bill Nunn changed the rules of scouting in the National Football League forever. Uh, yeah, I couldn't have the guy who <laughs> everything Moats touched on. They changed the game. They changed the rules because of him. He was still dominant. Uh, you just you see that cowboy hat, and you already know number seven on my list. Third round, 53rd overall, Mel Blunt out of Southern University. I like it, man. Major respect. And now it's funny. You said that you can't have Mel Blunt any low on your list. It's a guy that hasn't been on my list that I feel just blasphemous to myself as a defender, as a linebacker. Roll? Does he wear yeah, a neck, yeah, roll, neck roll, roll and have a mustache? His teeth a little jacked up. Absolutely, man. I couldn't go any further without having my man Jack Lambert on this list. Trust me, when I first did this list, Jack Lambert was in my top five. And then I was like... Oh, I'm trying to weigh it out. Like, no. Nah. Because he was still picked a little higher correct, than some of these Correct, correct. And that was my thing. So, yeah, man. Jack Lambert, man, without a doubt, bro. You hit on everything with Jack Lambert, the boogeyman, Mr. Dracula himself, man. Come on, baby. Smoke a cigarette, get 20 tackles, and he's probably going to walk home. Like, that's just – I envision Jack Lambert had a pickup with rusted paint on it with, with a case of beer in the front seat. He was just ready for whatever. Like, just I love it. <laughs> Drive around with no shirt on, too hairy chest like a man. <laughs> So that's why for me, man, I got Jack Lambert at number seven. Yeah, it sounds like Jack Lambert to me. All right, so there's our top seven. We'll give our final three and some honorable mentions on the other side. Keep those tweets rolling in. We've gotten some good ones. We will get to them before we wrap up the show. At Wesley Euler at The Body 52. The Body. Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up our lists here of the top 10 draft picks in Steelers history, this is the most difficult thing I've ever done here on SNR. Motes and I are changing our lists on the back end here during break. Like, this is tough. We could have gone 20 deep on here very easily, and we'll give a bunch of honorable mention, guys as well too but Arthur Motes our final three eight nine and ten pick number eight I've got a guy you just discussed of course I'm talking about Webby baby Mike Webster fifth round 125th overall you could argue he's the best center of all time uh, out of Wisconsin in 1974 part of that just insane 1974 draft class I mean, how you like that one five Hall of Famers in that rookie class four of them drafted Donnie Shell. As an undrafted free agent, I mean everything that Moats said about Mike Webster, I, I I echo it. He the Steelers had never won a Super Bowl before he got here. By the time he left, they were four-time Super Bowl champions and synonymous with greatness. Number eight on my list is Mike Webster. Now this is so hard. I still I still don't know how I want to do this, Motsy. But at number nine, I can't ignore this guy any longer. I'm talking about Ernie Stoutner. Mm, I mean, what okay. are we talking about here, right? I gave a ton of credit to Mean Joe yeah, Green, rightfully yeah. so, because the Steelers never won bupkis before he got there. 
But Ernie Stoutner was everything to the Steelers before Mean Joe Green. He was a nine-time Pro Bowler when that was still a real thing, not just a popularity contest. Uh, he was four-time first-team All-Pro, five-time second-team All-Pro, NFL's Lineman of the Year in 1957, NFL All-Decade team as well. Uh, two Super Bowls as a coach <laughs> he had, uh, I, I believe, there. Um Dude, just his statistics, right? You look at him, and there's not really much there because, again, they didn't count tackles. They didn't Correct. count sacks. They didn't count anything back then. But nine-time All-Pro in a 13-year career, that's insane to me. I had to have Ernie Stout, and there's somewhere on the list. He falls at number nine. And then there's like seven guys here. How about to say, man? You ran out of space, baby. There's like seven guys that I could list you, all right? Originally, I had Jack Ham here. Linebacker from Penn State, 34th overall, got there before Lambert did, laid the groundwork. A lot of people will tell you the most technically sound linebacker in NFL history and Steelers history. <sighs> Man, I had Rod Woodson there, 10th overall. I mean, he's, you could argue he's a, one of the best, if not the best defensive player of his era, right? He went 10th overall. Yeah, I mean, I thought about LeVon Kirkland here. You want to talk about a center who changed the game? Second round pick, 38th overall. Or, and LeVon Kirkland, sorry, Damani Dawson. I was like, wait a minute. But all right. I, LeVon Kirkland's one of my honorable, honorable mentions, mentions, too. Yeah. He was picked 38th overall, but Damani Dawson was 44th overall in 1988. But Arthur Motes, and maybe this is my age showing here, but for my last spot, number 10, I went with the Steelers' 26th overall pick in 1998. Mm, okay. Out of LSU, mm -hmm. guard, Alan Fanica. And no, not just because he has fantastic hair as well. Maybe there's some of the Antonio Brown playing into this, right, where I talk about the time difference, right, where it's one thing to find these diamonds in the rough in the 70s. It's another to find them in 2010. Correct. When Alan Fanica came out of LSU, the guard position was not what it is today. It was, you wanted to have a good center. You know, you wanted to have your Dermani Dawson in the middle, and then you wanted to have your two bookends on the outside. But guards were not thought of in the same regard. Hey, <laughs> you see what I did there? All right, I like it. As, as centers and tackles. The guard position was still honestly disrespected even until the late 90s. Alan Fanica changed that perception forever with his athleticism, what he was able to do with that position. Motes and I have talked a bunch on this show, of course, about the season where he moved to tackle in the middle of the year and was arguably the best tackle Absolutely. in all of football. Again, this one was really tough for me, and, and maybe my age is showing here because I'm old enough that I actually got to watch Alan Fanica play. But he, I think, really changed the perception, uh, along with some other guys in his era as well, too. But he was right up there in changing the perception of what a guard could be. So for number 10, Arthur Motes. Mm -mm -mm. I go Alan Fanica. So number 8, Mike Webster. Number 9, Ernie Stoutner. Number 10, Alan Fanica. So real quick, number 1, Mean Joe Green. Number 2, Terry Bradshaw. 3, Ben Roethlisberger. 4, Troy Polamalu. Five, Jack Lambert. Number six, Mr. Sixth Round, Mr. Big Chest. I won't say his full name here on the show because that's like saying Voldemort's name here. Ooh. He must not be named here on the program. Uh, number seven, Mel Blunt. Number eight, Mike Webster. Uh, number nine, Ernie Stoutner. Number 10, Alan Fanica. And I've got like four other guys that I want to talk about. But before I do so, I'll let Arthur Motes give the rest of his list. I like it, man. So I will say this. It was definitely tough finishing this list out but the one thing i think that, that actually got kind of weird 
I felt it was easier once I got to this portion of my list really? than it was at the beginning because out of respect, you know how it is on a top 10 list. The top five is big. The mm-hmm. top three are big. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's kind of like, all right, well, who do you include on the list but doesn't necessarily have the same weight of the top five, top three? So for me, man, sitting at number eight, this was, like I said, an easy one for me, man. I had to go with the gunslinger, man. Number seven himself, Big Benjamin Roethlisberger. You talk about what he's meant to this franchise since taking over, and mm-hmm. especially of lately, man, where he's become the guy. It wasn't like early in his career where – you could debate, okay, the defense was more important than he was at this stage. He is the offense, and we saw that directly last year. You talk about the numbers that he's been able to put up. I mean, he's the all-time leader in passing guards, the all-time leader in touchdowns for the Steelers we're talking about. I mean, so he has all those things. He has the two rings. Yep. The only thing he's missing is just the the, the big-time personal accolades in terms of your all-pros or your player of the years, your MVP, Super Bowl MVPs, and things like that. But you're not going to tell me that Ben – Big Ben don't make a top 10 list Come on. when we talk Steelers, baby. That's just out of control. Like That's I, blast. Like Lennox. I said, 1933, the Steelers have been around yeah. almost 100 years, and they've only had two signal callers Absolutely. behind center when they've won championships. Absolutely, man. So for me, man, it's not even a debate. Big Ben is at number eight. Now at number nine, had a little fun with this one right here, man. I had to go with my guy, man, Mr. 90 Fumbles himself. Mr. Franco Harris, let me give him some major love, put some respect on his name, man, because in all seriousness, we know the impact that he had on the game, man. You talk about a guy who's, I mean, one of the all-time greatest plays ever, ever. One of the greatest play ever in NFL history. And then you look, I mean, let's just... Let's just, for, for, for the fun of it, let's just read off his accolades. Not only is he a Hall of Famer. Not the 90, all right? Leave the 90 yeah, out. No, no, no. But, but let's be real. Nine-time Pro Bowl, All-Pro, four-time Super Bowl champ, office rookie of the year. Oh, and he has a Walter Payton man of the year because he's a good guy in the community as well. <sighs> Franco, baby. Come on, baby. Franco's Franco. Italian army. It's Franco. It's not even a debate. It's Franco. So for me, man, that's why I have him at number nine. Even though I did think about putting my dog Jerome up there, man, because you know I'm a bus guy. You know that. I know. You love Bussy. That, that's, that's my boy. That's but my I guess boy. technically, right, the Steelers didn't draft him. So Correct. He, yeah, so I, so I was he like, yeah, he's not even list. on the list. Yeah. yeah. But he was honorable mention just because I'm like, yo, it's, it's Bussy. <laughs> but you're right. He, he was he's, he's LA, LA. Yeah, he was LA Rams yep. when it was time. So yep. that was that whole thing, man. But Franco, without a doubt, man, Franco is that guy, man. So he has to be at number nine. And then at number 10, you know I had Some to go with my dog, Mr. Big Chess. I know he isn't the best when it comes to some of the off the field he things. Who shall not be I named. know he had a very, very tumultuous exit and all that other stuff. It was kind of rough. I got you on that, man. It was controversial. I got you on that. That's cool, baby. That's cool. Because before we knew about the controversy publicly, before we knew about all that, y'all was in here going crazy for that man. It wasn't like it just happened that last month that he was on the team. No, this thing spanned out over some years. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, man, how can we not have him on the list, man? You talk about a guy that, I mean, let's go ahead, was nine years in the league. And for, what, seven of them realistic? We'll say six, or, or, or just on the safe side, six of them he was clear-cut the best receiver in the league. I mean, you look at his statistics. I understand that Hines has the all-time numbers, but Hines did play longer, and that is completely fine. But you're not going to tell me that you're talking receivers in any way, shape, or form, and A.B.'s name isn't mentioned in there. I don't care which receivers you're talking about. And that is that's different. That's special. It was clear cut that when A.B. was playing, and it's not to say that A.B. couldn't come back and still hop back, get back on the throne. We're not saying that either. It's true. But A.B., without a doubt, I mean, in the sixth round. You know, it's not a lot of times where, you know, I always talk about from my perspective, guys that I'm always 
oh, they're on the checklist because they were drafted before me. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, I got a long list of guys, a long list of names where I'm like, hey, I got him, I got him, I got him, I got that guy. All right, he might have passed me, but I got him. I, I can't have that conversation with AB because you I happen to get drafted, what, 20 picks before AB? Yeah, you funny. So with that being said, and even to this day when I think, I told you off the air, I said, Wes, whoever was uh, – Buddy Nix, you were, you were drafting for the Bills. You drafted me at pick 178. You should be fired. <laughs> How you gonna draft me? How you over gonna Antonio draft me Brown? twenty picks before Antonio Brown? What is wrong with you? What? I don't care if you needed a linebacker. AB is different. I don't care. I don't. So that's why for me, AB is on my list as a top ten guy, man. So 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 take it for what you want. Black, get on me if you want to get on me. But they going to AB. I'm rolling with you when we talking about this list, not the off the field stuff. Just clarify <laughs> that, all right? So just a little quick recap for my list, my mm-hmm. top draft picks all the time for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Number one, Mean Joe Green. Number two, Troy Palomalo, a.k.a. Baby Jesus. Number three, Mr. Change the Rule, I'm going to choke y'all, Mel Blunt. Mr. Four, we got Rod Wilson, debate if he's better than primetime on your own time. At number five, we got Terry the Bond Bomber Bradshaw. At number six, we got the 52, my original number. I love it. Boy, let's go. Mike Webster. And then at number seven, we got the boogeyman, Count Dracula, Mr. Jack. Lambert, oh, let's go. Then at number eight, you got to have a gunslinger, baby. Number seven, Mr. Hey, you name a statistic for the Pittsburgh Steelers when it comes to quarterback, and he got it. That's him. Big Ben, baby. Yes, sir. Then at number nine, you know I got to go with the Franco's Italian Army, the immaculate reception. You land in Pittsburgh at the airport. You're not seeing a statue of anybody else. You're seeing the immaculate reception. That's a oh, really good point by and you. And by the way, he's wearing a mask, too, so shout out That's to a that. a really good point by you. I but mean, yeah, every person that flies into Pittsburgh <laughs> sees Franco. You're like, I don't even know. I don't even know still. I know that guy. That's the guy catching. Yep, all right, we're rolling with him then. Though That's my number nine. And then at number ten, I got to go with Mr. Big Chess. Who do you think you are? Mr. Big Chess. You never gonna get a love Hey, Mr. Big Chess. Yes, indeed, Antonio, man. I had to go with Mr. A. Bizzle at my number 10 spot, baby. So, yeah, that's my top 10, man. My top 10 here, Mean Joe, number one. Moats and I concurred there, as everybody should. Number two, the Blonde Bomber, Terry Bradshaw. Number three, Ben Roethlisberger. Number four, Troy. Palomalu, number five, of course, the guy who wanted to play football in the parking lot, Jack Lambert, the face of the Steelers franchise. Number six, Mr. Sixth Round. It's one thing to find those diamond in the roughs in the 70s. It's another to do it in 2010. Uh, Number seven, Mel Blunt, the cowboy hat, the game changer. Number eight, Webby Mike Webster, another game changer. Fifth round pick goes from a fifth round pick to starting more games, playing in more games than anybody ever in Steelers history. Number nine, Ernie Stoutner. The German, baby. Come on. Had to represent somebody from before the 70s. And then number 10, Alan Fanica, the guy who changed the disrespect of the guard position. Top five honorable mentions. I've got – I went all the way to 19 deep on my list. No, sorry. Wait, 18 deep. 18 deep. What? I did, yeah. You want me to run through him real quick? All right, number 11, Jack Ham. Obviously, 34 31st. 34th. Jeez, I can't pronounce words today. All right. 34th overall out of Penn State. Uh, got there, you know, again, like I said, before Lambert, started to lay the groundwork. A lot of people will tell you he was more important to those teams than Lambert. I can't speak on that. I wasn't alive for another 20 years. But I know that Jack Ham certainly belongs close to the top 10, if not in it. Absolutely. Number 12, my guy Rod Woodson. 
Yeah, come on. I mean, I got wow. Jack Hammond and Rod Woodson outside of the top ten here. What are we talking and about? you debated me that he was better than Prime? He is better than Prime. Prime was, was still on, a top Prime, ten pick. Prime could go to anybody's. You go Falcons all the time. He's going to be up there. You go to Niners all the time. He's going to be up there. You go to the Cowboys Where was all the time, he drafted, Prime? I don't care. What do you mean you don't care? I don't care. What do you mean you don't care? Don't Where the guys are drafted playing to this? That's why Mike Webster's care. on the list. Fifth round, I baby. I don't care. Rod 12, 13 Franco, 14 Dermonte Dawson, 15 Cam Hayward, 16 TJ Watt, 17 Heath Miller, hey. 18 LeVon Kirkland. I don't know. Did I forget anybody there? <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. So... <laughs> That's my that's my list, and I'm sticking to it. Even though I'll probably change it seven times before we get out of here you in the next are segment. Hilarious. <laughs> so for me, man, when I go to my honorable mentions, <laughs> it's funny you said you went eight deep. I, I was pretty much there as well. I was trying to like knock guys off the list. Like, all right, man, I got my list is too long right now. But yeah, man, I got Lynn Swan up there. I got Damani Dawson. You're not gonna have Damani up there, man. That's my guy. I show the old line some love because in high school I was the old lineman as well. Were you? I was all district too, man. I, Center? No, left tackle, right tackle. Wherever, wherever the, this is, this is the you lined code. up with the other team's best pass rusher, didn't you? No, wherever we were going with the ball, that's where I was lining up at. So we running the ball to the right. I'm lining up on the right. We we running the ball to them. Lining up on the left. Uh, if there's a good coach <laughs> out there in high school football, they would have no, found no. that out by the end of the first quarter. Cam Chancey, because he played defense, right, he played safety right. in high school, right? And he would t- he, when we, obviously this was like we were in an all star game. Just getting out of high school, we're having a conversation. He's like, "Bro, it was funny when we played against y'all." He <laughs> was like, "Man, we knew defensively like it was going to be an issue because like you was, I mean, nobody could block you." But he was like, "When you were on offense, we would laugh because we we're like, we know where y'all going, but the problem was you were still going to like make a hole." He was like, "Man, we saw you line up at guard. I mean, you were pulling." If you line up at left guard, you pull into the right. You line up right guard, you pull into the left. We saw you line up at right tackle. That means it's an outside run to the right. You run up at we're left tackle. It's a left tackle. You just trying yeah. to stop us, baby. And then, and then we said because you had a right-handed quarterback, we knew if you line up at left tackle, it's a pass play. It's either a pass play or run to the left. So he was <laughs> like, literally, amazing. literally, we would know where you're going. But we was like, I mean, our running back, we had a thousand yard rusher. It was the first thousand yard rusher in our school's history as well. And he was like, it was crazy because first we got to get past you. And then trying to tackle this running back was going to be tough, too. So we literally getting five, six yards a pop just off of that. But he was like, man, we were just laughing. It's like, yo, it, it was, I wasn't even trying to hide it. And I'm like, yeah, That's you're right. That's hilarious. So, like, for me, like, they would tell me to call, and I wouldn't even <laughs> need amazing. to know. It wasn't even like I need to sit here and try to figure out, all right, where do I line up? It was just, oh, all right, the ball's going right. All right, I'm lined up on the right side. Oh, it's going left. I'm going I'm lined up on the left side. So that's why for me, I always got a little bit extra love for my offensive lineman. I love it. Because I'm like, man, I was a part. I was undersized, man, but I was a part of that. Yeah. I never knew that. So you're Absolutely. like Kevin Dotson. You're just, hey, yeah, this, is where, this is where we're going. Try and stop us. Oh, yeah. But I, I, see, I thought I was slick. I, I'm over here like, they ain't going to know. They ain't catching all this. And then you get to the game, and, and, and the dude's like, bro, you know we knew the whole well, time, right? That, right? We just couldn't do anything about it. I'm like, man, we thought it was complex over here. Like, yeah, yeah, this is dope. Well, that's a bigger compliment for you, right? If they knew that, well, was what was yeah. coming and they still couldn't stop you absolutely man our first thousand yard rush in school history I man it. it was a big time thing man on the back of arthur moats hey man i say yeah, you follow me i'll take it to the promised land i used to have my jersey hanging out so i could like one of the big uglies too even i was like super thin my jersey hanging out to my knees it is bad bro i know that there's arthur moats highlight high school <laughs> highlight bad, cable bro. out there i gotta get a copy <laughs> of this i tell you what so, so you know it is what it is man that's how we do it <laughs> So for me, Damani Dawson makes my honorable mention. Then, of course, I got to add Jack Hamill there as an honorable mention. The fact that, like you said, people will say that he was the better guy because he's more technical. You know how I feel. I'm a, I, Give me the guy that just lines up and kicks butt. 
even though I'm more of a fundamentalist myself, I love the guys who could just line up. It doesn't matter if they study. It doesn't matter if they know the play or not. They just doesn't matter if you. their hand placement's perfect. Exactly. And, and when it came down to Lambert versus Ham, I understand Ham was the technician. That's what everybody would tell you. He's the technician, the smartest guy out there. He's never out of position. But I like to be able to just say, hey, I'm going to drop you off in the middle of this game. Go go wreck havoc. Go break someone's face. And, and that was Lambert. So that's why I had you know Lambert on the list and mm-hmm. him as an honorable mention. Then from there, you got Stallworth. You got my man Heath. Love Heath, man. Come on. You know I got to have my dog up there. And hot take, I went T.J. Watt and Ken Hayward. All right. I said it. Boom. Ooh, I yeah. Did. I got those I boys on there, too. I said it. You know I so, got them, you know I got them so boys what? on there, too? I said it. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> uh, fun factoid that I found for you while doing my research for this. Mm-hmm. The Steelers have selected at every position in their history, in their franchise history, they've selected at every position in the first round, mm. except 14th overall. I don't know why. I just found that interesting random fact. The Steelers have picked in the first so round random. at what? every spot, but they've never picked 14th overall, the Pittsburgh Steelers, in the in the almost 90-some year history of the franchise. Listen, Mozi, you just you know I got the notes and the research. You know what? I got the notes and the research and the facts on everything. What? All right, I'm just a random fact of the day for you. Who says that? If you don't like it, you can get out. Steelers never picked 14th <laughs> overall. There's your there's your Wesley Euler random what? fact of the day. Now, hey, how about this? If you're ever at a sport, oh, if you're man. ever at a sports bar or a watering hole or something, and they're doing trivia, and the what question is, the what's the one first round draft position that the Steelers have never picked? That boom, you guys can all run up to the the 14. podium with fourteen is your answer, baby. Wow, you're welcome. <laughs> get those tweets Shout in. Shout out the West. <laughs> Last chance to get those tweets in. We got a bunch of reaction from these uh, top 10 Steelers draft picks. We will get to those as we wrap up the show on the other side. Last chance at Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. Steelers are never picked 14th overall. Chain Lennon, the body 14. What? what, what? (laughs) We're wrapping the show next right here on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Moats on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Oh, man. Wrapping up with a little faux pas there. My fault on the intro. We're all good. We made another faux pas, Motsi, and they've let us know on the tweets. Aaron says here, guys, where's Heinz Ward on this list? The disrespect third round to a all-time Steelers wide receiver, Super Bowl MVP, and he's not even in the honorable mentions. That's a good call by Aaron. That's on us. I'll take the L on that one, Motsi. And you know what? It's funny. You and I have laughed, laughed before. Heinz Ward is the ultimate guy for Steelers fans that if you forget to give him the credit, they will let you know about it. Without a doubt. Like, we love us some Heinz Ward here in Pittsburgh, but that's a that's a good call by Aaron. That's we. I went like seven or eight guys deep on my honorable mentions. That's, that, that, that's you know, two lashings on the wrist for each of us for leaving 86 off the list. Yeah, I'm t- I was telling him the whole time to put him on the list. He said, no, oh, man, here we right. go. You know, I would never not have Heinz on my list. That's why I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> He changed, he deleted Hans off my list, matter of fact, and then sent me mine. That's why I didn't have a, na- a chance to say his name. You know, I would never not have Hans up there. You you even had uh, AB at five no, and not have Hans. That's uh, Aaron. Aaron, don't listen to Moats, okay? He's a you, he's a nah, he's a Hans guy, not a Hans guy. Nah, you had AB at 
five, six. six all right, at six and Heinz don't even make a, a eighteen deep honorable hey, mention for you. You had wow. a, you had AB at ten and Heinz didn't make honorable mention. I only, you went I only had, or I only had fourteen total. So that's different. Mm-hmm. Yours mm-hmm. sounds worse. <laughs> sounds like you just pointing a lot of fingers over there. Hey, you better believe it. <laughs> Steven's giving me credit here. He says congrats on the respect to Ernie Stautner. Yeah, Mozi ain't no, believing. No, no. I ain't got no issue with that. Leaving that list, uh, uh, leaving that man off of your list. I mean, my, my hey, you look at my list, man. Who are you taking off of that? I mean, you're right. Who are you taking off of my list? Exactly. <laughs> uh, David sends tell a funny. Me, me, but who did who didn't you have up there for you to have Ernie and me not have Ernie? Uh, Rod. No, Franco. You don't have Franco on your list. I don't have Rod or Franco in my top ten. They were twelve and thirteen. So who else do you have up there then? Because I got Joe, Troy, yep. Mel, yep, Rod, Terry, Webby, yep. Lambert, Ben, Frank. Oh, you got Fanica. That's what it was. Fanica. Okay. Yep. Yep. That's uh, that. Look at us. We can't even keep yeah. track here. Uh, David says the most. He sends a Photoshop here. It's that you had the uh, you had that Michael Jordan energy whenever uh, whenever they gave Cody Grimm the award. You know, it was <laughs> yeah. pers- it was personal for you whenever they well, gave that. Without a doubt, bro. Uh, the next Supreme says, "I can't believe Wesley Euler didn't have Troy Polamalu in his top three. I'm with Motsi. I read that one earlier. Okay, I had Troy four. All right. No, no, it's not okay. That's like saying, well, I have Joe Joe Green at three. Oh, it's okay. No. No, it's not okay. No, because there's only one spot for Joe Green. Okay, and there's only one spot for Troy. That's like your opinion, bro. Okay, so when, when somebody has Joe Green at number three, just be like, oh, but you nobody know. has Joe Green at number three. Well, some people would debate that Ben's number one. Next Supreme also says Antonio Brown, number six. You're killing me, Euler. Hey, talk about diamond in the rough finds. He might be the one. Thrash says here, I can't believe Ernie Stoutner isn't number one on the lists. He was the only Steeler with his number retired until those 70s era guys. He was balling at a time where the Steelers were not good. Nine-time Pro Bowler, nine-time All-Pro. It's a great call, Thrash, and and See, one of us here is showing right no there. respect to Ernie Stoutner. Talk about just right there. He said, how is Ernie not number one on the list? He did. See? You so there's somebody who doesn't you, like you Joe Green. <laughs> That's what we're doing now. <laughs> That's I'm gonna use the Moats logic here. Whoa. So Thrash just doesn't like Joe Green, right? I'm gonna connect the dots here. Thrash is a Joe Green hater. He's a Joe Green hater. He said Joe was honorable mention. Rebecca, now see, now see, now Moats, this is your fault here. This is uh-oh, on you, uh-oh. Rebecca, the lit one. Lit, lit, lit. She says I'm. I can't wait. I have to catch the podcast later. Uh, I'm having trouble with the live stream here in Florida. I blame TB12, even if he is your boy, Wes. You see what you did. Oh, he is your boy. Though. See what you did. Yeah, he TB12 is, boy. is my boy. He's Terry boy. Bradshaw, twelve. That's no, why I had him number no. two on my list. Uh uh-uh. uh. The real TB12. You was gonna put Tom Brady on the list, and he never even played for the Steelers. The OG TB12. <laughs> hey, you wanted to put Bussy on the no, list, and he man. wasn't drafted by the Steelers. Because Bussy is Bussy. At least he was on the Steelers. You wanted to put Tom up there. Tom didn't even play for the Steelers. No, listen. The only L I'll take today is not having Heinz Ward in our honorable mentions. Aaron mm. pointed that one out. That's fair. We're mm. both wearing that L. But More so than that, you than me. I, I was okay, gonna, that's fine, but I'm getting the credit for respecting Ernie Stoutner, too, so I'll take well, that. I'll actually, hold that I was going to have both of those guys my next two on my <laughs> honorable missions. At, at 14 and 15, that's where I was going now Let with me it. guess, that mean host, Wesley Euler, cut you off and you couldn't exactly. get to it, right? He said we're going to commercial, so I never got a chance to drop that. Moats, that was one much more difficult than I thought it would be, and two much more fun than I thought it would be. Oh, making those, doubt, making those lists today, that was good. You know what else we're gonna have to do at some point? Oh, just top ten first round picks only. Now so see, we'll take the yes, we'll take the yes. diamond in the rough conversation yes. out of because it because that changed a lot for us. We talked about how the diamond in the roughs 
why a guy like AB or why a guy like Webster would be higher mm-hmm. up because of no that blunt. element. Absolutely. But now you're talking just solely first rounders. You're talking guys who had the expectations and, and performed. Yeah. That's a different conversation. Absolutely. Some of those guys even surpassed their expectations as well, man. They did. That was a fun show today. Fun show. Well, Thanks and, to- and, and at least we don't have to worry about you putting on your, your boy AB oh, again, here man. Here we go. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Well, Ernie Stoutner can't be on that list either because he was a second-round pick. Oh, and you don't have to worry about forgetting Hines Ward again. It's cool. Don't have to worry about forgetting Hines Ward again. Although, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, Rod Woodson, he'll be in the top ten on that list, baby. <laughs> I bet at you least, Cam, and TJ, somewhere. Cam and TJ might find their way onto that list too. Yeah, you never know, man. Ooh, you know, there's some uh, some Super Bowl MVPs that we're going to have to consider too. Another Super Bowl MVP wide receiver Ooh. who was a first-round draft pick. Ooh. You're right. He, yeah, he wasn't even an honorable mention, huh? He was not. I don't think he was with the Steelers long, long enough. enough. Yeah, I agree. But in the top 10 conversation, that's a different co- – or, or sorry, the top 10 first-round picks. First-round picks, yeah. With the Super Bowl MVP in that moment, that's uh, that'll be interesting. I mean, you you got to ask get sometimes, man, are moments more important than careers? Right. Uh, that's what we'll – that'll be – listen, yeah. we got plenty of time here. All right, we got plenty of time. Thanks to everybody who tweeted in today. Seriously, when we have these type of conversations, you know we love the participation. Thanks to our buddy Brian Backo for joining us as well. That'll do it for today's program. <sighs> and shout out to Heinz Ward because, like I said, he was going to be on my list. And shout out to Heinz Ward because he was yeah. going to be on my list. He was too. the next one. That was the problem. I don't think what happened was you guys didn't hear me. We had some disconnect here on the show. I actually he Technical was my eleven. He was my eleven B. You know, with yeah. Jack Ham and Heinz Ward Come both. On, man, obviously, <laughs> Ham and Heinz, baby. It goes together. <laughs> Doesn't get any Kinda. more Pittsburgh than that. Yeah. Chipped Ham and Heinz ketchup. That'll do it for today. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed the debate, and uh, and we'll do this again. You always know where to find us on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steeler Nation Radio.